welcome back to our podcast on the Pilgrim's Progress, and we are uh, entering a very uh, unique part of the book where Christian has two grave conflicts come against him in his pilgrimage, and um, so what's going to happen in this one is he's going to face two obstacles. One is actually a, a being mm-hmm. that's going to make an appearance and fight him, and the second is more of a psychological or a spiritual journey through uh, some some very troubling um, geography. And both of these, of course, Christian comes out of them. We know the book ends positively. But mm-hmm. both of these are going to kind of show us mm-hmm. something about how we're supposed to do warfare mm-hmm. as Christians in this life. Mm-hmm. Um, the spiritual warfare we're involved in is going to be mirrored by Christian's experience in this book. And so... Now help our viewer viewers at home, Wade, to remember <laughs> what we were doing uh, in the last section. Where was Christian? Okay, so the context is interesting here. Before he goes through these really uh, serious, stringent conflicts, <clears throat> he was in the Palace Beautiful, yeah, Palace which Beautiful. we said represents Christian fellowship, ideal mm-hmm. Christian fellowship, and that ideal Christian fellowship was preparing him for these. Uh, these moments. Right. He, he needed that fellowship. He needed the time studying the Word. He needed uh, the time putting on the armor and the armory because he was about to go through some... And just good Christian conversation. Good too. Christian conversation. He's getting ready to go through some valleys. It's interesting, before we get to the first uh, conflict that he has, uh, he sees uh, these delectable mountains. Right. And I believe the delectable mountains, we haven't talked about this, but I believe the delectable mountains... Um, really represents high points in the Christian journey. Mm-hmm. You, you have a good view of heaven. You're on a you're in a high spot. It, it speaks of you know a place of spiritual blessing and, and spiritual favor and and uh, and you know it's just going to get better. You know it's just going to get better. Right. Um, so he sees the mountain, but he goes into the valley. Yeah. And I think that says something about mountaintops and valleys in the Christians lives. Uh, Christian lives. Um, you know, we all want mountaintops. We mm-hmm. want those experiences, those times of, of blessing, and everything is going wonderful. We love the mountaintops, um, but because we live in a fallen world, we have to go through valleys. Right. And I heard Billy Graham say this one time. I think it's a great quote. He said that mountaintops are for inspiration, but fruit is grown in the valley. Yeah. And we're going to see that he's going to deal with some things in the valley that are ultimately going to make him uh, stronger. Right. Well, as he, as he heads down to the valley... Of course, uh, discretion, piety, and charity, uh, and prudence go down to the foot of the hill, and they give him, this is on page 76, uh, a loaf of bread, a bottle of wine, and a cluster of raisins, and then he goes on his way. Mm-hmm. So he meets his first opponent mm-hmm. um, right in the next paragraph. In the Valley of Humiliation. Right. Interesting that he names it that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and now it says, but now in this Valley of Humiliation, poor Christian was hard put to it, for he had gone but a little way before he espied a foul fiend coming over the field to meet him. His name is Apollyon. Now, where is Apollyon from in the Bible? Apollyon is from the book of Revelation, uh, and it represents a figure who is Mm anti-God and anti-God's people and who rules over this world, which I think... If you're looking to who uh, Apollyon refers to, I would say it refers to Satan, yeah, it's the our, devil. our enemy, the devil. Yep. And so I think this is a, a picture. Apollyon here uses that same title from Revelation. Uh, is is a picture of uh, warfare with the devil. Now, do you want to talk about 
when Apollyon's charging at him and Christian in his mind goes, should I run or should I stay? Do you want to talk about his I armor? do, I do. And, and so one thing I appreciate about the Puritans, John Bunyan and, and other Puritans I've read through the years, is how they meditated on Scripture, mm-hmm. how they thought deeply about Scripture. It's like they squeezed every ounce of, of uh, insight from, right. a, from a passage they could. It's just a really amazing to see how they There's a joke about them where they said some of them saw more in the Bible than Jesus did. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. But they meditated deeply. And I, I think this comes from Bunyan's meditation on Ephesians 6, mm-hmm. the armor of God. And as he's thinking about the armor of God, he notices that all of the armor doesn't have a back to it. Yeah. Um, and so he draws from that application that that you're not supposed to turn and uh, go back uh, from the direction you've come. You're right. supposed to keep moving forward in your Christian life. The armor has no back, and you just need to be ready for the warfare when it comes. I think that insight there, where, where Christian remembers, I can't turn turn right. my back to him. I don't have a, I don't have armor. I've, then, I've, I've got to stay and, and fight and move forward. Then did Christian begin to be afraid and to cast in his mind whether to go back or to stand his ground? But he considered again that he had no armor for his back and therefore thought that to turn the back to him might give him greater advantage with ease to pierce him with his darts. I thought that was an interesting insight on you know from Bunyan, and uh, that'll preach too. That's, yeah. that's good stuff. Well, it's interesting. In Revelation, I think it's towards the end, in a list of sins, it mentions cowards mm. or cowardice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so there is a, a, a point at which bravery, a spiritual bravery, is admirable mm-hmm. in the Bible. Well, let's uh, let's talk about this fight with Apollyon, and it's in two phases. The first, you know, page or so, is basically this verbal match mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. Apollyon tries to lay claim to Christian, mm-hmm. and so he uh, he says to him in page seventy-seven, "Whence come you, and whither are you bound?" He tells him, "I'm come from the city of destruction, which is the place of all evil. I'm going to the city of Zion." He says, by this I perceive that thou art one of my subjects, for all that country is mine, and I am the prince and God of it. How is it then that thou hast run away from thy king? (laughs) Were it not that I hope that thou mayest do me more service, I would strike thee now at one blow to the ground. So he basically tells Christian, and they they continue for a while, you can read that on your own, but he basically tells him, you know, what are you doing out of the proper place where I put you? You need to go back or I'll deal with you. Mm Mm-hmm. And so he's trying to lay a claim over him. And in the middle of this, it's interesting how Christian comes back at him. Hmm. Because if you remember in the previous week, uh, they were talking about Scripture with the people in the in the Palace Beautiful. Hmm. And he talks about he read where the Lord of this country will forgive every slight, even against him. Hmm. And so there's this part in the conversation with Apollyon where Apollyon says, you know, you're, you're going to end up in a, in a bad in a bad place because of this and you won't get through it perfectly. Mm-hmm. And he says, well, I know that where I'm going, the Lord of that place will forgive me. Yeah. And here's Apollyon basically telling him, get back where you're supposed to go. Mm-hmm. And Christians taking what he just learned from Christian fellowship mm-hmm. and withstanding the devil with it. Yeah. And also you remember in his conversation uh, with um, uh, one of the four ladies last week at the, in the ideal Christian fellowship, she asked him his story and he told mm-hmm told her his story, shared his testimony. Yeah. And right here, after that first um, um, volley from Apollyon, uh, Christian shares his testimony. I was indeed born in your dominion, but your service was hard, and your wages such right. as a man could not live on for the wages of sin is death. Therefore, whom I w- was come to years, I did as other considerate persons do. Look at it, perhaps I might mend myself. 
and then Apollyon jumps in there uh, and you know, again accuses him. And uh, and Christian says, "I've I've let myself to another, even to the king of princes. Mm-hmm. And how could I, uh, with fairness, go back with thee?" And so uh, Christian stands against uh, Apollyon's um, verbal attack by sharing his testimony. Yeah, scripture, his testimony, and the fellowship with other Christians. Yep. The the part I was referencing is on page seventy nine. Where Apollyon says, uh, "You fainted at the first setting out. You're almost choked in the slough of despond. Thou didst attempt wrong ways to be rid of thy burden, whereas thou should have stayed till the prince had taken it off. Thou didst sinfully sleep and lose thy choice things." And uh, Christian responds, to him, "All this is true, and much more which thou hast left out." So he's like, <laughs> "I'm even worse than you know." Yeah, and I think what he's doing here is um, Bunyan is picking up on uh, Revelation 12 that speaks of Satan as the accuser of yeah. the brethren. One of his primary weapons is to is to bring accusations against saved people to cause them to despair right. and to cause them to be covered up by guilt and to cause them to doubt. And um, he's accusing him of all the things he's done wrong. And I, I just I think it's funny. How uh, Christian says, "Well, that's true," and there's some things you didn't even name. Right. <laughs> well, that's and that's interesting because as Christians, when you know we think our spiritual conflict is similar, the devil will bring up your past sins and mm-hmm. say, "Look what you did. Mm-hmm. Look how you failed the Lord. Look how you didn't do what was right." Mm-hmm. And you know that's an interesting tactic to turn against him. Is yeah, it's, it's even worse than that, right. but. Jesus forgives everything. Yep. I'm I'm clean before God through right. His blood. Right. Um, I was never going to save myself by my works anyway. I am a sinner. I needed forgiveness, right. and I and I've and I've been forgiven. His um, wording here at the top of eighty is is kind of he says, but besides these infirmities possessed me in thy country, for there I sucked them in, and I have groaned under them, been sorry for them, and have obtained pardon of my prince. Yeah. Been forgiven. And then Apollyon, we enter the second stage mm-hmm. of the conflict he groans in rage and they begin to fight mm-hmm. so let's talk about that fight a little bit Did anything kind of stand out to you about the fight well i like how apollyon or how christian um how bunyan talks about apollyon is winning the day in the fight i mm-hmm. mean he's it's it's brutal warfare hand-to-hand combat and it seems like apollyon is about to uh, deal him a mortal blow right um, he uh, Christian uh, in wrestling with Apollyon uh, loses his sword, mm-hmm. which uh, which symbolizes according to the armor of God passage in Ephesians six, the word of God. Yeah, scripture. He loses his sword, flew out of his hand, and Apollyon says, "I'm sure of thee now." I'm, in other words, I'm about right. to I'm about to destroy you. And it says, with that, he had almost pressed him to death, so that Christian began to despair of life. But I love this phrase, as God would have it, while Apollyon was. Fetching of his last blow, therefore to make a full end of this good man, Christian nimbly reached out his hand for his sword and caught it, saying, Rejoice not against me, O mine enemy, when I fall I shall arise. Quote from Micah chapter 7. Right. And he gave him a thrust with his sword. And so that phrase, as God would have it, I think is is critical. Um, without God's help, Christian would have oh, lost yeah. this battle. And it looks like it looked like he was about to be destroyed, but as God would have it, the sword was was at hand, and and he was able to deal a blow to Apollyon. Right, and then quotes Romans eight thirty seven, and after that, um, uh, Apollyon is gone. Right. The the battle mm-hmm. um, ends with the devil fleeing, which is a very scriptural right theme. Right. Resist the devil, and he will flee, flee. from you. Right. Yep. 
So when the battle at page 82, so when the battle was over, Christian said, I will here give thanks to him that hath delivered me out of the mouth of the lion and him that did help me against Apollyon. And so he did. And there came to him a hand with some of the leaves of the tree of life, the which Christian took and applied to the wounds he had received in the battle. So after this spiritual battle, which was supernaturally aided, mm-hmm. there's supernatural aid for healing. Yeah. And that, that's something I think we... We don't talk about a lot when we talk about our spiritual struggles. There's oftentimes a cost to resisting temptation. It's not always, hey, I resisted temptation and carried on like nothing. A lot of these spiritual battles take it out of us, but God gets us through them and God heals us afterwards. Right, exactly right. Spiritual warfare is not for the faint of heart. And you can come uh, through uh, the attacks of the enemy with some wounds. And and he's, he's bound up here. But I love how... Uh, Christian stops and gives gives thanks, and you know that's just a reminder that if you and I achieve or experience victory in our spiritual mm-hmm. lives, victory over the enemy, it's God. It's yeah. not us. It's God's help, and we must have His help if we're going to be victorious over the enemy. Right. Yeah. It's not going to be our resources. It right. was the sword that Christian mm-hmm. received mm-hmm. from the Palace Beautiful, mm-hmm. the Scripture mm-hmm. that he recalled mm-hmm. from God's help, mm-hmm. and the conversation. It had prepared him for the verbal aspect of that conflict with right. Apollyon. Now, now we well, get to well, the, going back to Revelation. How do they overcome the enemy, the, the accuser of the brethren, by the blood of the lamb, the word of, of their testimony? Yeah. And so, the, I think he's illustrating here. How, that's how you overthrow right. Satan as the accuser by the by the blood of the lamb. You've been forgiven, forgiven. You've been pardoned, and by uh, articulating your testimony of 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 how you have been forgiven by Christ. Right. Well, moving on, the valley of the shadow of death, the second part of the conflict mm-hmm. here. And that, this starts on page the bottom of page 82. Mm-hmm. Now, at the end of this valley was another called the valley of the shadow of death, and Christian must needs go through it because the way to the celestial city lay through the midst of it. Now, this valley is a very solitary place. Um, we're we're going to talk, we're going to use the word psychological here, and I'm not going to use the secular version like where we get psychology, but when I say psychological, that deals with the soul. Right. Because Greek word suke is soul, right. and psychology is the law or understanding of the way the soul works. Mm-hmm. And so the Puritans were masters right. at understanding how the human soul worked. Mm-hmm. And this this struggle that Christian goes through now is is really interesting because of the way that it's described. And so if you want to ever interrupt here and and interject stuff, just go ahead. But I'm just going to look kind of like bit by bit through this. Well, before you get into that, one thing I'll say at the the first part of this um, uh, section under the heading, the valley of the shadow of death, is he must needs go through it. Yeah. There's, you know... When you hear shadow of death, valley of shadow of death, you think of Psalm 23, verse 4. And on the way to heaven, everyone, every Christian has to deal with the, the realities mm-hmm. of, of death. There's no, there's no way around yep. that. So, yeah. And it says, now here, uh, Christian was worse put to it than in his fight with Apollyon. So it's it's even worse than mm-hmm. what came before. I saw that in my dream that when Christian was got to the borders of the shadow of death, there met him two men. Children of them that brought up an evil report of the good land. So he's going back here to Numbers with Joshua and Caleb and the ten others. Right. Making haste to go back to whom Christians spake as follows. Whither are thou? Are you going? The men said, Back, back, and we would have you do so too, if either life or peace is prized by you. 
Why, what's the matter? We were going that way that you were going and went as far as we dared. And indeed, we were almost past coming back. For had we gone a little further, we had not been here to bring the news to thee. But what have you met with? Why, we were almost in the valley of the shadow of death, but that by good hap we looked before us and saw the danger before we came to it. So once again, just like at previous trials, they perceive things and it scares them. No harm came to them, but they perceived that harm might come to them and they ran. They turned back. And so once again, like the biggest obstacle oftentimes to our Christian life is ourself, our own fear. Sure. Why, why the Lord always commands us, fear not, fear not, fear not. Right. Because fear is often what does us in. Mm-hmm. So they go on, uh, what have you seen? Seen why the valley itself, which is as dark as pitch. We also saw there the hobgoblins, satyrs, and dragons of the pit. We heard also in that valley a continual howling and yelling as of a people under unutterable misery, who there sat bound in affliction and irons. Over that valley hangs the discouraging clouds of confusion, that's kind of key. Confusion is, is the biggest, uh, you know, weapon against Christian in the valley of the shadow of death. Mm-hmm. Uh, death always doth always spread his wings over it. In a word, it is every whit dreadful being utterly without order. And so Christian says, Then I perceive not yet by what you have said, but that this is my way to the desired haven. And so they leave and he continues. And what makes this valley so scary, and you get some more into this in a moment, is like you said, death spreads its wings. And so how do how do Christians practically have to deal with death? I'd say two ways. One, we have to face the reality of our own mortality, mm-hmm. that one day we're going to die. Um, the other uh, way we face death is by losing people we know and love to death. Yeah. And so um, the, the, the reality of death uh, is always hanging over humanity. Um, and it can be fearful if you don't know the one who's with you in the valley. Right. Mm-hmm. So he goes through this valley, and there are different things. You know, a lot of this, the details I'll let y'all read, but um, just a couple of things of note. The path is difficult. There's something on both sides of it. Right. You can fall off one side or the other. It's a so narrow, it's narrow. narrow path. Also, the mouth of hell is near it, mm-hmm. and there are all these groanings, wailings. There, There's fire. And it says at the bottom of page 85, sometimes he had half a thought to go back. Mm. Then again, he remembered he thought he might be halfway through the valley. Mm-hmm. Um, he, all, he remembered also how he had already vanquished many a danger and that the danger of going back might be much more than going forward. Mm-hmm. So he resolved to go on, yet the fiends seemed to come nearer and nearer. But then when they, when they were come even almost at him, he cried out with the most vehement voice, I will walk in the strength of the Lord God. So mm. they gave back and came no further. Mm. And this next part is even more interesting. So first off, it's the terror. Mm-hmm. Now we get to like phase two of the Valley of Shadow Death. Mm-hmm. One thing I would not let slip, I took notice that now poor Christian was so confounded that he did not know his own voice. And thus I perceived it. Just when he was come over against the mouth of the burning pit, one of the wicked ones got behind him and stepped up softly to him and whisperingly suggested many grievous many grievous blasphemies to him, which he verily thought had proceeded from his own mind. Hmm. So Christian begins to like look at his own thoughts as his enemies. Mm-hmm. And in this place, he was so confused that, that he doesn't even know what is him and what's 
the environment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I think what Bunyan might be telling us is that there are going to be times when, you know, in dealing near death or with death, where strange things happen and they're going to disturb you. But as a Christian, you just have to keep going forward in faith and a blind faith almost in God at this point that it's going to work out. Right. Because you're not even going to know what's situational at this point, mm-hmm. what's you and what's an enemy attack. Yeah. A fearful thought or a thought that is um, opposed to the truth you know in the Word of yeah. God. And you think, where did that come from? And, he, and he's thinking here, did I? Is that, is that, is that thought coming from my mind? Even uh, Martin Luther on his deathbed was kind of wrestling with himself. Mm-hmm. There, there are some uh, people who transcribed it and kind of wrestling with himself and wrestling with the devil, mm-hmm. uh, trying to maintain his faith. So mm-hmm. I guess that's something that's happening mm-hmm. to Christian kind mm-hmm. of here. But it says, um, when Christian had traveled in this disconsolate condition for some considerable time, he thought he heard the voice of a man as going before him saying, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for thou art with me. Right. Then he was glad it said. Yep. And that's the key to the valley is... Um, we should not fear death hanging over our heads when it mm-hmm. comes to our own mortality, when it comes to the mortality of our loved ones, uh, because God has promised to be with us through the valley of the shadow of death. Right. His presence, uh, His promises uh, carry us through. And so He hears that voice, and He hears that scripture, and He was glad. It gave Him just what He needed to keep on keeping on. Yep. So page 87, halfway down, now morning being come, he looked back, not out of the desire to return, but to see by the light of the day what hazards he had gone through in the dark. Mm. So he saw more perfectly the ditch that was on the one hand and the quag that was on the other. Also how narrow the way was which led between them. Also now he saw the hobgoblins, satyrs, dragons of the pit, but all far off, for after the break of day they came not nigh. Yet they were discovered to him according to that which is written. He discovered the deep things out of the darkness and bringeth mm-hmm. out to light the shadow of death. Mm-hmm. And so now Christian was much effect, affected with his deliverance from all the dangers of a solitary way, which dangers though he feared them before, yet he saw them more clearly now because the light of day had made them conspicuous to him. About this time the sun was rising, and this was another mercy to Christian, if you must note, Though the first part of the valley of the shadow of death was dangerous, yet the second part, what he was yet to go, was, if possible, far more dangerous. For from the place where he now stood, even to the end of the valley, the way was all along set so full of snares, traps, chins, and nets here, and so full of pits, pitfalls, deep holes, and shelvings down there, that had it been dark, he would not have been able to go through it. Hmm. So he sings another song. Um, do you want to sing the song? Don't want to sing the song, but it's it's a song of... Uh... I don't know the melody. Okay. It's a, it's a song of praise, and he is grateful that God uh, delivered him um, through the valleys. And I think the the takeaway, you know, Christian faces Apollyon, Christian faces the valley of shadow of death, and and God is enough. Yeah. God gets him through. And so I think a real world application of this one would be when a Christian in their life has an illness that might end in death. And they kind of have to go this or, or goes into a big surgery or just a situation, maybe a mission trip that's in a place that's uh, very dangerous. And they just say, I, I could I could die here. Mm-hmm. That's what Christians kind of walking through right now. Mm-hmm. Something where all of a sudden you say, well, my faith, this isn't a matter of not, you know, uh, getting mad at someone who cuts me off in traffic. And this is not the matter of, you know, finding out, oops, I have an extra thing in my grocery bag at the grocery store that I didn't do a self-checkout. I'll go back in and be honest. Just everyday Christian obedience. Mm-hmm. But this is like, 
I could lose my life for this, or I may not, I may not be around to know if I'm right or wrong about this faith thing. Mm-hmm. And I think Christian shows us a pretty good way. What are some takeaways you think we get from the Valley of Shadow Death for a Christian that's going through a big event like this, a surgery, an illness, or a dangerous time? I think it's important for a Christian to cling to the presence of God. Right. And that's the that's the antidote, Psalm 23, 4. That's the antidote to fear. Yeah. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Uh, so remember, before you are with me, you're yeah. riding your staff, they comfort me. So remembering that God is with you, even if you don't feel it, yeah. even if there's some, some fear rising up in your heart, remembering God is with you is the antidote to that fear. And it'll give you courage to keep on keeping on. And I think the scene shows us you're going to get a lot of noise when this happens from mm-hmm. your own soul, from mm-hmm. the environment. Your own, your own convictions and thoughts may seem strange to you mm-hmm. even during this time, but you have to keep moving forward in faith through the dark. Yeah. Um, and, and God will give you that word in front of you to guide you. And I think another thing here that is at play, we talked about mountaintops and valleys. You know, when you're when everything's going good in your life, mm-hmm. you're not as desperate for the presence of God oh, right. as if when things are hard. And maybe God, or not maybe, I think God allows us to go through difficulty so we just realize our need for Him and yeah. we are desperate for His presence and we cling to Him in those valleys. Well, on an average day, you get a little bit of stress and you think, you know, I could go have a quiet time at night mm-hmm. or I could watch a sitcom and both will get you through technically. Mm-hmm. But when it's the valley of the shadow of death, mm-hmm. the sitcoms don't work anymore. Exactly. Uh, right. Only the presence of the Lord it works. Yeah. Well, thank you for tuning in um, through the two valleys that, uh, that the two conflicts in the valley that Christian went through. Uh, we'll be in Vanity Fair next week. Page. Vanity Fair. Now this is a bigger section. We might, Try to divide it into two, but it's 89 to 130. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's very interesting. A lot to say about Vanity Fair. Yes. If you ever wondered where the magazine got its title, this is it. That's it. Yep. Excited to talk about it. Yep. Well, thank you all for being here. We'll see you in the next episode. God bless.